Mike's galore. You know, I just I was thinking about something as I was sitting there. Usually about this time in chapel, I'm somewhere up there in the bleachers, and uh, my legs start falling asleep. But from here down, because those bleachers are so hard, and uh, today that's not going to happen. So, you know, those of you who sit in the bleachers all the time, if you want to, you know, not have to worry about your legs falling asleep in chapel, you can just <clears throat> talk to us about speaking. Today, as Dave said, I would like to kind of kick off this week of prayer. And this chapel is just going to be a thought chapel. It's going to be a time of interaction between you and I. Um, I'm not a real good speaker, and I'm not going to ramble on, because that would bore both of us, and I'm not good at rambling on. Um, This is going to be a time of thought for you. And uh, as you heard from Dave, our topic is prayer. And prayer is something that we're very familiar with. We're all familiar with prayer. We've heard it in Sunday school, messages, tapes, books. Um, all of us are very familiar with prayer. And uh, most of us have even prayed through acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Today, we're not going to deal with that so much. <clears throat> Like I said, we're going to be thinking, and I've got some questions for you. Um, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, I asked the WOW staff a question, and they probably forgot it, but I'm going to ask it again, and I want you to think about this. Get ready here. Um, how much time have you spent in prayer in the last week? Think about that. How much time have you personally spent in prayer in the last week? You can't count, you know, up at the dining center just before your meal. That doesn't count. You don't count church. Don't count the meetings that you're required to pray in. How often have you, like in Matthew 6, 6, it talks about shutting the door, going into the inner room in the closet, and just praying, you and God. How much time have you spent? If you're honest with yourself, you're probably like me, and it's not enough. Um, <clears throat> so a conclusion from that is uh, we don't pray enough. So what should, what should we do about that? I have another question for you. <clears throat> what, what does that mean to Christians who don't pray? What does that mean to us? If we're not praying and we're Christians, that means that we're going to be spiritually dead. Do you get that? Um, Christ is the life of what the source of our life. And if, if we're not in prayer, He can't be our source. So as we progress through life, we're just going to spiritually die. We'll still be saved, but we'll never amount to anything. <clears throat> Coming off of that, I have another question for you. Lots of questions. This is fun. Why don't you pray? We've decided that prayer is good. We all would agree with that. Prayer is good. Um, I think we can probably say that most of us don't pray enough, if we're honest. Why don't you pray? Think about that. Really think about that. Why don't you pray? I've got a couple ideas. Um, there's hundreds of reasons why we don't pray. 
But there's a couple of general things that I'd like to touch on that might be a catalyst for us to individually think of why we specifically don't spend time in prayer. Number one, we may have a love for a sin. A sin. Do you love a sin? Is there anything in your life that you don't want to give up? That is blocking your relationship with God? Think about it. Um, I'm on a college campus. There's lots of people. Do you enjoy hating someone? Is there someone on this campus that you just don't like and you enjoy not liking them? And you ridicule them? I mean, I fall into that trap. Um, how about boyfriend-girlfriend relationships? Are you hanging on to some sin in your life there? Is there something that you don't want to give up? And that blocks your relationship. There's a plethora of things. I like that. Um, materialism, lust, greed. How about something like something silly that shouldn't be getting in our way, but something like school school policy. And we get a bad attitude. It may be a questionable rule, but we get a bad attitude, and that blocks it because we enjoy having a bad attitude and defying it. <clears throat> um, imagine with me. Go ahead. Um, just imagine with me what it's like when you pray, when you're praying alone, just you and God. Do that. Kind of close your eyes. Envision that. What's it like? Do you... For, for me, I start to pray and it's like I close my eyes and in my mind's eye, I'm kind of looking up toward God and I, I don't see an object or anything, but I see His purity and His holiness and His righteousness. But more importantly than that is that God sees me. Do you get that feeling when you pray, when you're alone and you come before God and you just feel like, like Adam and Eve felt in the garden where you just feel naked and exposed and, and every sin that you've committed in the past week is very, very um, seeable and you come before God just, just naked? Um, if we are hanging on to a sin in our life, you and I, if, if you're hanging on to a sin that you don't want to get rid of, that you enjoy, you can't come before God because it hurts. He'll expose that. that that's one block. That's one reason why we don't play, pray, I think. Secondly, maybe we're too busy. Are you too busy? Or how about you're too spiritually mature? Those, can, those two kind of go hand in hand, I think. Um, you're involved in WOW staff, or you're an RA, or ASB, or you're on the baseball team, the soccer team. The soccer team's going to be gone for a week. They're busy. Um, volleyball. Say you're in the music department and 18 credits. You're busy. Do you have time for God? <clears throat> How about spiritually mature? You're just, you have five Bible classes. Um, you spend about 90% of your life with C.W. Smith, Dewey, um, Bookman, um, Russ Moore, that kind of thing. You know, you're always discussing it. You go to church, you're in a ministry, and you're just always saturating your mind, learning new things, and you just, you don't really have time to pray because you're just doing all these other good things and you're learning so much about God. How, is that, is, are those good excuses? <clears throat> I'll turn to Luke 5.15. You don't need to go with me, but if you want to, you can. Luke 5.15. <clears throat> talking about Jesus. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and great multitudes were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, 
but he himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. You're too busy to pray. You think you're busy. Try healing all the sick and lame and, and also the spiritual conditions of the people. Jesus was busy, but it says, but he himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Busyness isn't a good excuse. How about you're too spiritual? You're too spiritually mature. I, I, I think that if I was a professor here or on staff, that would be something that I'd be more prone to do. But I think we even do that as students. We start learning. We, we go to chapel. We're in church all the time. And we get saturated and we're kind of coasting along. We're in classes. And we don't really need to pray because we're learning so much. Well, think about Christ. Did he know the Word? Christ is and was the Word. And yet, it says that he took time often to slip alone and pray. So those aren't two, those excuses. Busyness and um, learning and spiritual maturity is no excuse for avoiding prayer. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Third possibility why we might not pray. <clears throat> um, this one's kind of scary. And that, that is that you might not be saved. If you're not saved, you won't have a desire to pray. It's not there. And the reality is, is there's, there's people in here who are not saved. And there is no desire to pray. And I, like I said, that's really scary. Because if you, if you are not bowing the knee and subjecting your life to the authority and sovereignty of God now in this spiritual, um, spiritually rich, fertile ground, you probably never will. Chances are you never will. Until, until of course, that day when the whole universe does. And then it's too late. Search your heart. See if you are a follower of Christ and not just living a lie. <clears throat> So, okay, we covered some things that um, possibly could get in the way of us praying. Three possibilities. Um, I want to leave one, one last thought with you from um, Luke 22, verse 40. And this is about why we should pray. Some things, a reason to pray. There's very, very many reasons to pray. But a reason that has been very important to me recently and that has meant a lot to me recently is found here in Luke 22.40. I'll read it for you. Here's here's a scenario. Jesus, they just had the Last Supper. Um, They're going up to the Garden of Gethsemane and it's just before Judas portrays Jesus and Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray, that you may not enter into temptation. And I think, I think that is very critical for us here at the Master's College. I really do. Because we're, we're at that time in life where we're, we're young, we're youthful, and temptation is very ripe. And I think that we should constantly be in prayer um, so that we will not stumble and fall into temptation. <clears throat> um... I have three little things that I want to leave with you. Three statements. 
And I, I really want you to think about them and how they apply to your life. They're quick. Number one, if we don't make, a, make prayer a habit now, we probably never will. Um, that's the truth. This is when we're young. We haven't become stubborn in our ways yet, hopefully. And if we don't establish a pattern now to pray, we probably never will. Secondly, we have got to fight what keeps us from prayer, whether that be our busyness, um, if we're hanging on to sin, uh, the fact that we're not saved. Whatever it is, we have got to fight that because that's from Satan. It's also part of our flesh, and we can't let that, we can't let that ruin us. <clears throat> Third statement, if we don't pray as a group, each one of us here in the room, all of us, if we don't pray, you realize that um, 20, 30 years down the road from now, we're just going to be statistics, the kind that Dewey uses in his classes about the divorce rates, the people who are involved in ministry and yet they fall away. Because without prayer, you're not going to last. You can't walk it on your own. You can know everything, but without prayer and an intimate relationship with God, you're not going to be there. And so I'd like to challenge you to, all of us, to be, become men and women of prayer and uh, do whatever it takes to get there. <clears throat> There's a little story I want to read right now. And I don't want you to read anything into it or take something out of it that doesn't belong. But it's a good story. Um, in his book, The Power of Prayer, R.A. Torrey writes, Have you ever heard how Dwight L. Moody became a worldwide evangelist? After the great fire in Chicago, Mr. Moody stayed in Chicago long enough to get money together to feed the poor and to provide a new building for his own work. And then he went to England for a rest. He did not intend to preach at all, but here are some of the great preachers on the other side of the water, Spurgeon, George Mueller, and others. He was, he was invited to preach one Sunday in a congregational church in the north of London, of which a Mr. Lessie was a pastor. He accepted the invitation. Sunday morning, as he preached, he had great difficulty. As he told the story to me many years afterward, he said, I had no power, no liberty. It seemed like pulling a heavy load up a steep grade, and as I preached, I said to myself, What a fool I was to consent to preach. I came here to hear others, and here I am preaching. As I drew to the close of my sermon, I had a sense of relief that I was so near through, and then the thought came to me, Well, I've got to do it again tonight. I tried to get Mr. Lessie to release me from preaching that night, but he would not consent. I went to the evening service with a heavy heart, but I had not been preaching long when it seemed as if the powers of an unseen world had fallen upon that audience. As I drew to the close of my sermon, I got the courage to draw the net. I asked all that would then and there accept Christ to rise, and about 500 people rose to their feet. I thought there must be some mistake, so I asked them to sit down, and I said, there will be an after-meeting in the vestry, and if any of you will really accept Christ, meet the pastor and me in the vestry. There was a door at each side of the pulpit into the vestry, and people began to stream through these doors into the vestry. And I turned to Mr. Lessing and said, Mr. Lessing, who are these people? He replied, I don't know. Are they your people? Some of them are. Are they Christians? Not as far as I know. We went into the vestry, and I repeated the invitation in a stronger form, and they all rose again. 
I still thought that there must be some mistake <clears throat> and asked them to be seated and repeated the invitation in a still stronger form and again they all arose. I still thought there must be some mistake and I said to the people, I'm going to Ireland tomorrow but your pastor will be here tomorrow night. If you really mean what you have said here tonight, meet him here. After I reached Ireland, I received a telegram from Mr. Lessie saying, Mr. Moody, there was more people out on Monday night than on Sunday night. A revival has broken out in our church and you must come back and help me. Mr. Moody, Mr. Moody hurried back from Dublin to London and held a series of meetings in Mr. Lessie's church that added hundreds of people to the churches of North Ireland and that was what led to the invitation that took him over to England later for the great work that stirred the whole world. After Mr. Moody had told me that story, I said, Mr. Moody, someone must have been praying. Oh, he said, did I not tell you that? That is the point of the whole story. There were these two sisters in that church, one of whom was bedridden. The other one heard me that Sunday morning. She went home and said to her sister, who do you suppose preached for us this morning? After the sister had guessed all the men who normally visited, she asked, who did preach this morning? Her sister replied, Mr. Moody of Chicago. No sooner had she said it than her sister turned pale as death and exclaimed, What? Mr. Moody? I have read of him in American papers, and I have been praying God to send him to London and to send him to our church. If I had known he was to preach this morning, I would have eaten no breakfast. I would have spent the whole morning in fasting and prayer. Now, sister, go out, lock the door. Do not let anyone come to see me. Do not let them send any dinner. I'll spend the whole afternoon and evening in fasting and prayer. And pray she did. And God heard and answered her prayer. That just really moves my heart. That that bedridden sister experienced on a daily basis more power and strength than I probably ever will in my life. And why is that? It's because she had made the time, like Matthew 6.6 6 says, to go into the inner room, to shut the door, to go into her closet and pray. Not just once, but daily, for years. That's what true power is about. That's what changes lives. That's what makes, when we come to the end of our life, that's what makes us significant in God's eyes and in men's eyes, too. Um... As we close, I want us all to bow our heads and spend some time in thought. Kind of review what we've kind of gone over this morning. We all know prayer is important. Do we pray? Do you pray? As you're thinking right now, is your heart kind of burning? Are you going... Man, I haven't, I haven't talked to God in, in a week, two weeks. I haven't, I haven't really seriously prayed to God for a month. Where are you at? Now, why are you not praying? Are you hanging on to a favorite sin? Are you, are you just too busy? really don't have time. I'm too busy ministering, serving, doing whatever I'm doing. Or, maybe you're not saved. 
Search your heart. We're just going to have a few minutes of silence. And I want you to purpose in your heart. Make a decision now as to what you're going to do. What's your response? God's listening to you. Are you going to walk away from here still with a closed door? Or are you going to make a decision to do something about it? Dear God, we thank you so much for this school, the chance to serve you, to learn about you. Father, we know what's right. We want to pray. Father, I pray that we will throw aside laziness and anything else that would stop us from prayer. May you put into us a passion, a desire to see you, to to be in your cleansing, pure holiness so we can go throughout the day with a light heart, a ready heart, not just barely surviving. Make us men and women of prayer. Make us a campus of prayer so that we can have some sort of impact. We don't want to just go through school here ruining your testimony. Make us real. Father, I pray that these thoughts will be on our mind throughout the day. May we be close to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.